Dana White claims fake news is to blame for his rift or problems, you could say, with Hamza Chamaya. Also, this Saturday night, we had a week off, right? But this Saturday night, we got UFC Vegas 74, Kaikar France versus Amir Albazi. We're going to get into all these topics and many more going down right now in the UFC. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from an undisclosed location. This is the community MMA with your host, Chris Cross. A team in the house. A team, A team, A A A team in the house. Boom! It's over! Boom! It's over! It's over! It's it's, it's, it's over! It's over! It's over! Boom! Hamza Chamev's! Boom! Hamza Chamev's! Boom! 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 What up, what up? This your boy Chris Cross. Welcome to the community MMA. And we're outside today in the nature, hanging out. Got flies everywhere. The dogs are outside. They're probably going to bark a few times. But it's all good. We're going to get through the show, baby. Stay with us. First up, Dana White is claiming fake news is to blame for his rift uh, with Hamza. I mean, could that be? I mean, Hamza unfollowed him and the matchmakers on places like Twitter and others. But Dana White, you know, is kind of saying it's all fake news. It's all fake news. This is the media. I could literally do this every day, he says, with almost every story that's written. Everything these people write is total and absolute nonsense. And I believe that on some level. I mean, I believe some of this, well, some, a lot of what we read is is fake. It's... You're trying to generate topics. You're trying to create storylines. You're trying to get people's attention, right? I mean, you're trying to say and do anything you can uh, to get people to notice, right? Some of these fights that they claim they're coming or are going to be set up, we find out later, aren't even in the works. The UFC has to offer every fighter three fights. So fighters may be in the media saying they want this opponent. That's not even what's being offered. And the UFC is trying to force their hand. And, you know, you just don't know what you see in the media if it's uh, true or fake. You just don't know what's real and what's not. And that goes for mainstream news, too, right? I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. I think we all know this. It's not like a bad thing. It just you have to try to decipher what you're reading. And in terms of the UFC, you just got to look at, OK, what fights are booked? What's actually happening? We know Hamza doesn't have a fight booked that's becoming a real problem for people so that creates the narrative without anyone saying anything there's some type of problem with Hamza and the UFC because at one point you know they had this guy fight 10 days apart he's always claiming that he wants to fight so if he's not getting a fight what's going on and then you see the McGregor uh, McGregor forever documentary on Netflix and you see like after he beat Cowboy Cerrone he wanted to fight like right away what ended up happening is everything got shut down for several months and he finally comes back almost a year later and fights Poirier. It wasn't really, he was in the groove ready to fight after 
Cerrone and they couldn't get him a fight. So if it happens to McGregor, it happens to all these guys. The UFC has a plan and they're trying to execute it. And Dana White's trying to let us know that some of the, some of the stuff, if not all, is uh, nonsense. But again, what isn't nonsense is Hamza doesn't have a fight. So until he gets Hamza a fight, you're going to continue hearing these type of discussions. Hamza Chimaev! Whether it's fake news or not, it doesn't matter. It opens a narrative for there to be some type of problem between the UFC and Hamza. Boom! And it's time for this guy to get a fight. We need a fight from this guy. It's over! It's over! And then we can say it's over. Then we got something to talk about. We got a fight to talk about. Right now, we have nothing to talk about except Dana White claiming a lot of this stuff we see is fake news. Throughout the last couple shows, we talked a lot about uh, the upcoming cards we're going to see. UFC 289 is okay. UFC 290 is ridiculous, awesome. 291, you know, Poirier versus Gaethje 2. That'll be a good fight, but is it the best headliner for a pay-per-view? I don't know. UFC 292 will heat up when we get there later in the summer. Aljo and Sean O'Malley. A lot of questions about O'Malley. Could he beat Aljamain Sterling, right? So these are the next four pay-per-view cards. And it begins with uh, Nunez versus Aldana here in a couple weeks. But even some of the fight nights have really good fights in store. This Saturday, you got a big one in the flyweight division. Kai Kara France versus Amir Albazi. Right, And this is a big one. I mean, it's a big one. Because when you look at the flyweight division, you got Brandon Moreno's a champ, right? He's fighting Pantoa, who's number two. Figueredo's still there, but he's probably moving up, you would think, the Bantamweight. At some point, he should. Then at three, you got Car France knocking on the door. And he's facing, although you can't see him in the rankings here, we got it all the way down to number six, Alex Perez. But he's facing number seven, Amir Albazi. And if Amir can win this fight... That's a new name uh, that's in the mix. So let's jump right into that prediction right now. In the flyweight division at UFC Vegas 74, this is your main event. Kai Kara France comes in at 24 and 10, taking on Amir Albazi, who comes in at a nice 16 and 1. And this fight is even money for entertainment purposes only. Albazi, one inch taller at 5'5. Five. Five, both guys pretty much in the prime of their career. Albazi, 29. Car France, he's 30. Car France is a one-inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right-handed. Now, Car France is more active. 4.7 significant strikes per minute, 3.5 for Albazi. But Albazi has an advantage in the takedown game, landing like 2.5, 2.5 takedowns over the course of three rounds, which equates to almost a takedown every single round. But here's the trick. Car France has an 87% takedown defense, so he's going to limit a lot of those takedowns. Against Brandon Moreno, he lost by uh, TKO, uh, but it was 58-53 in significant strikes for Moreno. Very close. Car France even had a takedown in that fight. Before that, he beat Askar Askarov by decision. Big win there. He gave up two takedowns, but dominated in significant strikes. He also beat Cody Garbrandt and Rogerio Bontorin. Albazi, 66%. Takedown defense. He has wins over Alessandro, Alessandro Costa, excuse me, Francisco Figueiredo. Submission. Both of those by finish. Zalgis Zumogulov uh, and Malcolm Gordon. So he's 4-0 in the UFC. And this is a tough prediction because 
Albazi has such a great record, the ability to land takedowns, and Carl France has 10 losses. Again, he's 24 and 10. So a lot of losses for Carl France, but he's gotten better throughout his career. He's got a lot of fights, 34 professional fights for a 30-year-old. That's incredible. So how's this fight going to go? It's going to be a pretty close fight. I think this fight goes to a decision, even though it's a five-rounder. I mean, you could get a finish here, but you got two really good fighters that are likely to go to a decision. And Albazi has good enough uh, ability to strike. He's not as good or as active as uh, Carl France, but he's going to land two to three takedowns if this fight goes to a decision. He's going to keep the significant strikes close enough, and I think it's going to be a very close decision. Could go either way, really. That's why it's 50-50. It's the perfect odds, if you ask me, because it's a very tough prediction. But I like Amir Albazi to squeak out a victory here. This guy has been impressive, winning 16 of his first 17 fights. He's undefeated in the UFC, and he's reaching for the stars here in this fight, but I think he gets the job done. Albazi wins by decision on significant strikes, but mainly takedowns. He'll fight through that 87% takedown defense at Carl France to get the victory, in my opinion, to move to 17-1, flyweight division, main event at UFC Vegas 74. I guess I was feeling good and took Albazi because we're 13-4 so far this year on main events. So feeling good will take a a little bit of a long shot, I think, just because, I mean, Carl France is number three. He's really good. My concern for him, despite the takedown defense, which is going to be a factor, you know, it, it gives Carl France a, a window for victory if he can stop those takedowns. But I just like Albazi. I mean, 16-01, Carl France has too many losses, um, but he's still number three in the division. So that also means he's beating a lot of people, too. He's just losing some fights against really good fighters. So yeah, we'll take him to win. We'll take Albazi to move to 17-1 and jump to number three. And now you got a big player in the flyweight division. And the title will be sorted out soon. Uh, Figueredo's just hanging at number one, but I don't see him fighting again. And if Albazi can win this, he might be in line immediately for a title shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Depending the results of a uh, Moreno versus Pantoja. You know, if that's a close one, maybe Moreno gets a, a rematch. That seems to be the way things go nowadays. So if you're Albazi, you really want Moreno to win. And then he's beaten number one and number two contenders in Figueredo and uh, Pantoja. So at that point, you're up next. So Albazi needs to, needs to win. And he needs a win from Brandon Moreno. And then he's in the driver's seat as far as a title shot. In this next fight, we got Alex Casadas versus Daniel Pineda. I'm a big Alex Casadas fan. And, you know, the guys won, what, six of seven, seven of eight, something like that. I know he went on a five-fight win streak, so probably six of seven, then lost one, then won one. And I said when he was like maybe 14 and 12, somewhere around there, that this guy could go on a run, forget the record. His numbers look good. And sometimes these guys come into the UFC and they struggle. And then they hit their stride, and he did. He went on a five-fight win streak. But Daniel Pineda is really good. So don't just assume who I'm going with in this one. But if Casadas can keep winning, just because I like the guy, we got to consider him for the dude list at some point. It's just someone we like and root for. So we could probably put him at 18, 19, 20, right? Sneak him in there. But check this out. In the featherweight division at UFC Vegas 74, you got Alex Casadas coming in at 20. 
and 13. A lot of losses. Daniel Pineda comes in at 28 and 14. So two guys with a lot of losses. But the momentum favors Caceres. We'll explain why. He's three inches taller at 5'10". Both guys in their mid-30s. Well, actually, Pineda is 37 years old, so he's getting up there. Caceres with a five-inch reach advantage. He fights left-handed. Pineda fights right-handed. Now, Caceres lands about 4.2 significant strikes per minute to 3.3 for Pineda. But Pineda lands like a takedown every other round. So that's to his advantage. Caceres just a 64% takedown defense. And at one point, he had like a 14 and 13, maybe 15 and 13, 14 and 12 record, somewhere around there. And then he went on a five-fight win streak. He ended up losing to Sadiq Yusuf by decision in a very close fight. In a fight, he actually outstruck Sadiq Yusuf 66-64. So it broke the five-fight win streak, came back and beat Julian Juicy J. Arosa by KO. So he's won uh, six of his last seven fights. Now, Pineda, 48% takedown defense. He has a win over Tucker Lutz in his last fight, but lost to Cub Swanson prior to that. Beat Herbert Burns. That's a big win, but lost to Robert Whiteford and Diego Brandeo. So this one's pretty simple to me. I told you a while back, Caceres were going to run. He ended up doing so. Yeah, he had a tough fight against Sadiq Yusuf. Fought well, though, and showed he's he's a legitimate fighter now. The 20-13 and 13 record is not even close to the, being the same as Pineda's 28 and 14. I like Alex Caceres to win this fight easy. The biggest question to me here is will he get the finish or not? I'd like to see him do so, but one way or another, in my opinion, he wins to move to 21 and 13 and make it seven wins in his last eight fights here in the featherweight division at UFC Vegas 74. Wow, I said win easy. That's crazy. And if he wins this, it's seven of his last eight. You got to really tar- start talking about this guy. You know, and Charles Oliveira is the one to set the tone for this first, right? Uh, I forget what he was in his first 11 fights. It wasn't very good. And then he went on an 11 fight win streak. Two first half of your career, second half in the UFC. Because these guys hit the 20, 28, 29, 30 to 33 range. The peak, maybe even up to 35 because they have enough wins behind them to continue for a while. You know, and then maybe you go win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and then you fade out. But these guys hit their stride at a certain age, and Alex Caceres is at that age. And this is a big opportunity for him. Now, in fight three, you just got a good old-fashioned fight. Not any big implications on rankings or nothing nothing like that, but just a good old-fashioned fight between Jim Miller and Jared Gooden. These are always great fights when you're looking at, what is it, the lightweight division? Check this out. In the lightweight division at UFC Vegas 74, you got Jim Miller coming in at 35 and 17. 52 professional fights taking on Jared Flash Gordon, who comes in at 19 and 6. Now, Gordon's one inch taller at 5'9. He's 34. Jim Miller's getting up there, 39 years old. He's got a three inch reach advantage over Gordon. He fights Southpaw. Gordon fights right handed. Now, Jared Gordon is very active, 5.3 significant strikes per minute to 2.9 for Jim Miller. He also lands more takedowns, two over the course of three rounds. Jim Miller, about a takedown and a half over the course of three rounds, which really equates to about one takedown every other round. Now, Jim Miller, weak takedown defense, 48%. That's something that plagued him uh, throughout his career. 
He's coming off the loss to Alexander Hernandez by decision. But before then, he won three in a row against Donald, Cowboy Cerrone, Nicholas Mata, and Eric Gonzalez. Now, Flash Gordon, 62% takedown defense. Not very good either, so you expect some takedowns in this fight. He had a no contest against Bobby Green. Before that, he lost to Patty Pimblett, but he took it to a decision and looked good in that fight, landing three takedowns, uh, somehow getting the loss, even though it was just 63-60 to 60 in significant strikes. Before that, he beat Leonardo Santos by decision, dominating him 116-36 to 36 in significant strikes, and he lost to Grant Dawson, giving up seven takedowns. So the odds favor Jared Gordon here to get the victory. But Jim Miller is always a tough out. He's ever the veteran. He is the underdog in this fight. But I'm going with the underdog here. I like Jim Miller because the guy is relentless. He's got two times as many wins as losses. 17 losses is a lot, but he's never an easy out. And you see he's won three of the last four fights. Well, I like him to win four of his last five. He's not quite 40 yet. He's 39. So he's still got a little energy in the tank. I like Jim Miller to squeak out a decision here. He's got to defend the takedowns. That could be a problem. But Jim Miller will find a way to win to move to 36 and 17, in my opinion. Lightweight division. UFC Vegas, 74. Boy, we're taking some chances this week. Got Jim Miller here winning this fight. Good old-fashioned fight uh, here in the UFC. Best division in the UFC, lightweight division. And no no big implications. Neither of these guys is looking uh, to be ranked and, and fight for a title one day. It's just a good old-fashioned UFC fight is what it is. And it's hard to go against Jim Miller. Make no mistake about it. Now, as we jump into uh, the Q&A, you got chaos saying, this comment section is insane. Laugh out loud. How are y'all really picking this man to beat Bobby Knuckles? It's tough. Trike is duplessis, man. The man's resume isn't that good. And he's had uh, scraps with all the dudes he's faced. That's a, and, and that's why I'm picking Drakus. And Bobby Knuckles, a.k.a. Robert Whitaker, is a big step up. But Drakus just finds ways to win. That's why it's hard for me to go against him. But I, I can see Robert Whitaker winning this fight too, very easily. Very easily. Larry Ojo Bear. I honestly believe Drakus will win this fight. Proudly South African. And he weighs in once again with some... Smiley face, cool emojis. He got the peace sign up. Yes, sir. Represent South Africa. Trikus Duplessis. Kenneth Bruner with a long one here. Says Hamza needs a fight at 185 now. Adesanya is the only fight that makes sense. All other top five and middleweight are tied up. The Usman thing looks to be sketchy. Usman probably not wanting to fight at 185. Hamza should take a fight at 170. Hamza should not take a fight at 170 under any circumstances. Unless it's the belt. I think 205 makes more sense than 170 for Hamza. And it should be an option uh, for him very soon. Hamza Chamev! Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm i with Bruner 99% of the time. And this is one of those. I mean, I wouldn't take a fight at 170 under any circumstances. It's just a big risk to take for what? Because when he wins, they're going to discount Usman uh, immediately immediately they're going to discount Usman. So it's a risk uh, reward factor and it's just not there for Hamza. Hold the line. Angela Real. This is the fight that opens or closes the door on Trichus Duplessis. 
after the stuff he said about Africans not living in Africa, he can't uh, shrivel away from uh, shrivel away into obscurity. He has effectively invalidated Adesanya. Now he has to do it. Prove his words in the octagon. For sure. For sure. And it is time for... It's a big fight. This is why, you know, when we have a break like last week, we, we tend to sit back and look at all the fights that are coming up and really get a grasp of uh, the schedule going forward. We got some time to peak. We don't have to worry about a fight this week, right? That just passed. And we, we look at all the fights coming up and that's the biggest one. That's the biggest fight with the with the most implications. So people are going to weigh in on that like crazy. That's bigger than Poirier versus Gaethje. It's bigger than Nunez versus Aldana. It's bigger than Sterling versus O'Malley, even though that's for a title. That's just the way it is. That's the biggest fight coming up. Make no mistake about it. But you know what that means. We got to wrap the show up. They're rushing me out of here, man. They're rushing me out. <laughs> But for now, listen, it's your boy Chris Cross. Hope you have a great day and God bless. As always, peace.